You're listening to the Core Stories Podcast. These are stories about lives that intersect with Jesus. I'm Emily, the Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. One thing we strive to do as we are a family growing to become more like Jesus is talk openly about our deficits. One of those deficits is that we are not very diverse. William Jenkins agreed to sit down with me and talk about his experience as a black man at our church. He talked to me about his first Sunday coming through our doors and his experience since then. Uh, My name is William Jenkins. I am, uh, as a profession, uh, I'm an independent filmmaker. And that means I make music videos, commercials, and films. But to be truly honest with you, I am um, a race man. I'm a community man. Uh, I've been a community activist probably since I was like around 14. I've been involved with the machinations, um, the political interests, the social interests, the economic interests of people of color in the community that I I live in or that I grew up in. Um, I grew up in the Northwest Nashville community uh, called Bordeaux. Bado to its uh, <laughs> to the denizens of the area. <laughs> Three seven two one eight White Creek, stand up. Uh, you know, uh, what, when if you ask me the question of my life uh, in the actual journey, it can be it seems to be pretty miserable or uh, taxing. But if I look at my life in its totality, I, I thank God that I've been able to travel this path. Um, Growing up, um, born in 1975, uh, my parents were never married. My um, father, uh, this, this is 1975, uh, recreationally uh, used drugs and alcohol, and it turned into abuse. But he was never a junkie. He was never an addict. But because of the recreational drug and alcohol abuse, he was physically abusive uh, to my mother. Uh, my, I remember very vividly uh, my mother getting beat, beaten by my father. Uh, I remember uh, sleeping in the same bed in the bed because of the, his, his extreme use of alcohol. It smelled like urine because my father, um, I mean, he, he drank all the time, all day long. So by, by the time my mother was, uh, by the time I was five years old, we ended up moving to Bordeaux uh, because I actually, my first home was actually in North Nashville. So when I moved to Bordeaux, uh, I um, lived, lived with my grandparents, uh, my grandparents, uh, Mary and Rudolph Coleman. And um, that was really my first introduction uh, to the particular tribe that I'm a part of, the body of Christ. I am a um, Campbellite. <laughs> I'm a Kibbalite. I am a Church of Christ through and through. Uh, and I started going uh, to the church that I grew up at uh, when we moved in uh, with my uh, grandparents. And my life was uh, uh, was was interesting. I, the The community that I grew up in was a working class community. But unfortunately, because of the supposed war on drugs and because of Reaganomics, um, the working class community that I grew up in, caught you had to really, really work. You had to do a lot of working. And you necessarily didn't necessarily have a lot of return on the amount of hours that you put in. So a lot of the people that I grew up with, their parents were, uh, were working all the time. And when I say parents, their mother. Uh, so 
when you talk about the drug trade in Nashville, uh, one of my friends, uh, he is probably the George Washington or the uh, uh, the Bill Gates of crack in Nashville. And um, in the neighborhood that I grew up in in Bordeaux, we had a lot of middle managers. If you looked at the drug trade as corporate America, we had a lot of middle managers. And um, I grew up around these guys. So my community, the scourge of drugs uh, was uh, had a lot of duality because I there were 15, 16 year old guys that had cars, they had several thousand dollars on them all the time, but their parents might be on drugs. Uh, my neighbors, a lot of them really, really suffered with d- drug issues because this issue of rehabilitation and uh, has not really penetrated the African American community like people think that it has. It it, it happens as a as a means of um, people as a way of getting out of a longer prison sentence, uh, this, this nature, but rehabilitation just as a treatment, not so much. Um, so I was in a situation where we also were about to face mandatory sentencing uh, really, really soon. By the time I hit about 14, 15 years old, and mandatory sentencing really destroyed the neighborhood that I grew up in too. Because it got a lot of guys, by the time I was about to go off to college, a lot of my friends are just now coming home from long prison sentences. So this is the community that I grew up in. I also went to a school that wasn't necessarily prepared for the technological revolution that was around the corner. So a lot of my friends ended up either not going to college or uh, they were underemployed. But because of my mother, and my mother, when she was a high school graduate, she never went to college until I was actually in college. She kind of knew where the society was going because of some of the things she saw on TV. So I was kind of a prisoner of books. Yeah, I've read a lot of books by the time I was 12, a huge amount. You know, the charismatic, very intelligent, charming man that people at Otter Creek and Nashville see, that didn't really happen until I was in my mid-20s. So uh, <laughs> it was, um, so that's with my life. Uh, and I, and I um, <clears throat> and, and so by the time I went to uh, college, my mother had developed an illness and she died. Uh, and that's where my life really takes an interesting kind of turn. I always look at my life as my mother, uh, my life before my mother's death and my life after my mother's death. It's interesting uh, because if I look at my relationship with Jesus and, uh, you know, as I transition and I talk about my mother, uh, Jesus got me through the, the death of my mom. But I'm just not realizing that because when my mother died, uh, I was devastated. I mean, my mother was my best friend. She was my world. She was my society. She was my everything. And so when my mother passed away, I had, uh, I looked at her, I remember looking at her in the casket and I realized, I came to the realization that I really don't need to deal with a faith-based community or God on a, in a tangible kind of way because it was a waste of time. Here I was going to college, not really doing anything wrong. Not, I didn't have any kids, never been to the pen, and when wielding a lot of guns, and my mother was dead, so I was devastated. Um, Because of that, it ended up taking my life in a direction that uh, I'm regretful for now. I ended up, uh, I was never an alcoholic, but that's when I first began to drink, and I I really had a serious, uh, I began to, to date in an unhealthy way. I dealt with promiscuity uh, and really wasn't connected to a faith-based community, period. And because of that, my life, my life changed. 
I can honestly say that two people are critical uh, to my being here, and I think God has used them as vessels in my life. Harold Love Jr. Uh, is is one of the reasons that I met Otter Creek and Erica Kessie. Erica Kessie is the mother of the uh, child that I co-parent, and uh, I can honestly say that it's been for Harold. Uh, Harold is. Uh, a politician and the District 58 state representative, but he also, he's also the pastor of Lee Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is in North North Nashville. And Harold's a big advocate of church membership, to be connected to a faith-based community, to be connected to people who share similar interests and have a similar relationship with uh, their faith. But when my grandmother died in 2009, so I was like, oh, church thing, not necessarily me. You know, what church did Jesus go to? He didn't really have a church he attended, you know. So I felt kind of Christ-like by not really uh, doing this. That's how I made the justification. So uh, I was like, you need to go to a church. You need to go to a church. You need to be connected to a church. And, and we have would have these heated discussions and debates about it. So uh, by this time, I was in a serious relationship with Erica, and she was getting her second master's degree from Lipscomb University, Bison's forever. Um, <laughs> uh, I ended up taking care of the baby because we were sharing the car. So we would go to bookstores or parks or any place. We wouldn't go to church on Sunday. Um, so I had this huge argument with her before, and I said, all right, all right, I will go. Uh, I didn't use this. Uh, use that language, but um, I use some colorful language, but it would go not at this podcast, perhaps in another one. So I decided to go to, I said, I'm going to go to a church tomorrow, but I will put a hook in it. He said, any church is fine. Well, I'm going to be in the Brentwood area. I'm going to go to the biggest, whitest church that I can find. And I know these people because they don't know me and this black girl. They're going to be racist and intolerant. And I'm going to storm out and I'm going to burn the building down with my anger and rage when I leave. So I dropped Erica off and um, I went out Franklin Road and I said, the biggest, whitest church of Christ I can find or the smallest Church Christ, I'm fine. I'm going in there, and I'm going, and they're going to treat me like a dog. I'm going to be mistreated, and I'm just waiting to prove my point. So Carrie says, Daddy, where are we going? I said, Carrie, we're going to church. Church, yay! I was like, yeah, whatever. Because <laughs> at the time, I wasn't necessarily connected to a church body, so I wasn't kind of cynical about the idea. That's why I decided to go, and I, I see a sign that says, Otter Creek, a church of Christ. I said, this is the place for me. These people, I, this is the place where I know I'm going to get treated like a dog. So I um, <clears throat> parked, got the car prepared, I walked inside, and uh, when I walked inside, it was very interesting because I saw uh, Ed Rucker, who I know, and I know at the time, he's a very, very tall, older white gentleman. I saw Don Port Bell and his wife, and these are gray-haired men, suits. I said, oh, these guys, they, oh, they're going to welcome me. I walked in, and it was the most, one of the most incredibly warm and inviting uh, environments I've ever been in my life. And I was very, very stunned when I walked in. I was like, wow, this is really, really amazing. Because uh, these people are like speaking to me. Because the church that I grew up in is not necessarily friendly. So the way that Otter Creek is set up, if you go into the other side, not to visit the parking, the other side, you have to walk around to get to the foyer. Walked in, it's Malcolm X. Brother Malcolm, militant. Ha! 
fighting for the people. By the time I got to the foyer, I became Ben Carson uh, because everyone was so warm and inviting. It was uh, it was an incredible transformation. And when I walked in, uh, I also knew that the church was about to make a, trans- a transformation into uh, instrumental music. And, you know, growing up conservative church, I was like, well, this is just visiting because I'm trying to prove a point. That this is not going to be, I mean, because instrumentation is the worst thing because I'm growing up Church of Christ. You don't want instrumentation that that's terrible that's terrible <laughs> we fast forward i was actually part of one of the services when i had the instruments a couple of weeks ago but that's a we'll, we'll talk about that in the podcast um i said okay they said someone asked me uh are you gonna stay for bible study i said yes i will stay for bible study and i picked one of them out and i looked at the sign and they had a, a social justice um Bible study. I said, oh, this is great. Who are the social justice meeting in Brentwood? They're probably going to talk about some developers or the way they're going to gentrify some people. That's a, that's a, that's they social justice because I know they're not going to talk about nothing like the social justice that I need in my neighborhood, like jobs and, and, and food deserts and stuff like that. This is going to be some stock tips. So I go to the social justice class and a man that I'm, I'm really, really close to, and that Andrew Krinks, who was leading it, and they're talking about Black Lives matter and I'm like <laughs> police brutality and I'm like this in in the first five minutes I'm like what what are they as <laughs> and I sit next to Jerry Booth Collins who I like I said no now and I said what what are they what is the class about and he said it's about black lives matter and I'm like oh because I'd heard I said I just want to see if I'm going crazy. I said okay and these people they're engaged and asking questions and stuff and I lean over to, to, to Jerry and I said you know that the people that they're getting beat up you know that they're black and he's like no we know that's no. I said black lives matter and he's looking at me like this guy's slow yeah we know that's why it's called black lives matter I said okay I said wow this is really amazing because at the church that I grew up in Issues of race in a tangible way were never really discussed. Not not in a deliberate way, and this kind of thing will not <laughs> be allowed. So I was really amazed. It was it was incredible actually, because once again, I, I, I because of the work that I was doing in the community, the work that I've done in the community, I yearned to be in an environment where, where an intelligent discussions about these things are taking place. And then at the end of it, they said next week they were going to talk about the issue of gays and homosexuality. And I was like, I was like, here at the church? And they were like, yeah, yeah. We, we, they, they, yeah we was like, and he just looked at me like, yeah, we're going to talk about it here at church. I was like, yeah, but this is church. We don't talk about gays at, at the church that I grew up at. Uh, and they was like, well, we, we'll talk about it. And I went back and they had a conversation, an honest conversation about the uh, homosexuality and things of this nature. And I, I found it to be incredible because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in an environment where that kind of talk was encouraged, permitted. Those discussions weren't happening. And if I look at my, and I thank Christ for this opportunity this season in my life, especially with raising a Kyrie, because I want her to be in an environment where the church has a position or at least the church is willing to deal with these things. Because I, I went to school and some of these questions, they were my own conjecture. There was no biblical or spiritual precedent uh, for me to have an opinion because I, we, it just wasn't talked about. Uh, Black Lives Matter, I know that people were getting beat up in my, in my neighborhood, innocent folks and a lot of innocent people that got guns put on them. So even if you look at the two Bible studies, the Black Lives Matter, I knew we should have had that conversation at the church that I grew up in, but we didn't. So I thank God for putting me in an environment uh, where issues like this are not, they're not, people are not running from them. Uh, there was a 
so for Otter Creek, it's been an incredible experience because if I, even if I look at uh, our pastor, I'm sorry, our minister, our, pre, our teaching minister, <laughs> Josh Graves, we don't have pastor, we have a teaching minister. It's been an incredible experience listening to him teach because he, a week from his sermon about police brutality and race in America is very, very engaging because it, it takes a lot of courage to talk about these things because we're not in an environment in America where even though all these things of race are going on, people are shunned away from it in faith-based institutions. And this is the pl- this is the environment to talk about it because God, all these things God has the answer for. So yeah, that's that's been my relationship with Otter Creek. And I've, I've met some incredible people uh, who've had such an incredible impact on my life in a very, very short period of time. America's never truly been integrated on any level, economically, socially, uh, culturally, and when it comes to race, it hasn't been. So I don't, I don't have a lot of sincere relationships with white people. And I know for a lot of people, uh, they've never really had an honest conversation with an African-American male. Uh, and this is being honest with you, a lot of them don't even, they've never even truly, and by that I mean, they've truly never, they've never had a conversation with a black man because the black men have never been in their environments. So I appreciate at this point in my life being in this environment uh, because of the nature of, of what's going on and how I can hope to share some light and, and, be, and be taught in, in the same uh, breath. I look at my, even my educational uh, uh, path. I had the opportunity to go to Tennessee State University and when my mother died, I stopped uh, to start my business and I decided to go back to school at Lipscomb uh, this experience at this age, going back to Lipscomb, has been very, very rewarding for me. Only Jesus could get me to that point. A man could not have, because I, I don't have the, I'm not really one <laughs> to consider other points of view when I've made up my mind, because I, I think I'm kind of thoughtful. But only Jesus could be me in the experiences why I would have to really, really seriously delve into other perspectives. Every situation that I'm in, I know that Jesus is with me. I never thought I would survive my mother's death and even be able to talk about it in a functional way like I am now. But at this point in my life, I'm kind of getting back to the person that I used to be because after my mother's death, I ended up making a lot of transformations, some of them not healthy. But now I'm kind of going back to the man that I used to be. Uh, And only Jesus could prepare me for that. Uh, Only he would lead me through that. So uh, his forgiving... His forgiving nature, uh, his ever his his ever presence in my life. Um, I, I really have been through enough at this point where I have no fear, um, and that's only because of Jesus. So, as as uh, Malcolm X said at the end of his the autobiography of Malcolm X, all the mistakes, all the insecurities, all the failures were mine. All the good goes to God. And I truly believe believe that. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org/stories and follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.